Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast with Stephanie. I'm Stephanie. This is episode 75, season four. The topic of this episode is decorating a cozy home. Plus, I have some sewing and knitting updates and some Netflix and YouTube recommendations. So I've received feedback from listeners that they love the decorating episodes, and I also love to publish decorating episodes around this time of year when the weather changes and we spend more time indoors looking at how to freshen up a room, or even seasonal decorating. So I'm going to dive into this main topic first. And the second segment will be my usual chit chat part with all of the sewing, quilting and crafty updates. First, I want to remind you to check out my Mighty Networks group, Make and Decorate Friends. It is free private and and for anyone interested in joining us. We're posting uh, pictures of our projects, works in progress, and anything we make, plant, cook, and adore. Basically, anything creative that gives you joy, you want to share with the group. We love seeing other people making beautiful things. So please join the group and let's chat with friends who love to make stuff as much as you do. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at patreon.com slash make and decorate. Patreon is a subscription-based platform you can sign up and cancel at any time. Every month you receive a bonus episode. Most of my guests continue chatting with me and share behind the scenes and extra content for my patrons. This is the only source of income for this podcast, and I truly appreciate the support of my patrons. All right, let's decorate a cozy home. It all begins with layers. You often hear designers, artists, and landscapers talk about layering creating dimension, keep the eye moving across the design. What really does that mean? Let's use a quilt as an example. There are layers that make up a quilt, right? The top layer, the batting, backing, quilting, and binding. Each of those layers adds dimension, interest, movement, and joy. So let's do that in our home. Add dimension, interest, movement, and joy. I have five main layers you can add to your home decor. Walls, floors, furniture, windows, and accents. So number one, walls. Paint and wallpaper are the first and most impactful layer in a room. The color of the walls can affect our physical and intellectual psychology. And basically, that just means it can really uh, influence the way we feel, our moods, and even like stimulated to, you know, want to eat. (laughs) So like the red and orange colors stimulate and raise the pulse rate. While cool colors like blue, violet, and green are soothing and can lower blood pressure and stress. If there is a room that irritates you, it might be the color. Red, yellow, and orange, of course, again, are stimulating, which is good for kitchens in high traffic areas. Blue, green, and purple colors are calming, peaceful, and serene. So bedrooms and sitting rooms are good places for these colors. Gray, the ever most popular color (laughs) or non-color of the past at least five plus years, doesn't really promote any direct psychological properties. But it can be suppressive 
and depressing. This is why we want to hibernate in winter months as well, because we get depressed with gray skies, or at least I do. Black is also suppressive and it absorbs. Um, it absorbs light uh, and maybe psychologically it can absorb your energy. Who knows? <laughs> White is the opposite of black and it reflects light. Uh, so um, that's why, you know, it's been the long touted idea that uh, small rooms and low ceiling heights you know, all need to be painted white. Uh, otherwise, you will feel it makes the room smaller if you painted a dark color. But that's not necessarily true. I am sitting in my seven foot by seven foot office, uh, and it has a double window. So tons of light streams into this little room. And um, I have a high gloss navy blue paint on the walls. And I love it. It's beautiful. It recedes. And the things that I put on the walls really like stand out. So um, just remember that when you're thinking about colors for your walls. Pure white can be cold and sterile. So I would say to stick with warm whites. They're best in most circumstances. And Talking about wallpaper, wallpaper is, a lot of people are afraid of wallpaper in larger spaces, which is probably, you know, understandable because when you're looking at a small piece of wallpaper, it's very hard to envision it on a large nine foot wall, <laughs> nine foot tall wall. And then multiply that if you have a 20 foot room by, you know, 16 feet wide, that's a lot of wallpaper. So whatever you choose, you will either have to love the pattern or go with something neutral because walls really are a background. Um, that's kind of like a base layer that you will continue to layer upon to um, create movement and dimension. Busy large patterns are great for foyers and powder rooms and even in laundry rooms or um, as an accent wall. However, be careful with accent wall colors like a paint colored accent wall or a wallpapered accent wall. Sometimes they can just look like they're just like out of place, sticking out like a sore thumb. They make no relationship to the rest of the room. And um, so that's why you might hear lots of designers um, may have a really like dislike for accent walls. Uh, and, and that's the reason why. I don't have a huge dislike, but I just think that there is a way to do it where it will... Um, support everything else that's going on in the room and seem like it belongs and accents. <laughs> so, um, so don't be afraid to wallpaper an accent wall, but just, um, you know, the whole point of this podcast in decorating and layers is that you, you have to sort of think of an overall plan, just have an idea, not like you have to have every little piece picked out, but have a general overall plan of what your you want your color scheme to be. Um, you know, have an idea of maybe what you want to add to the walls, whether it's artwork or framed pictures, that sort of thing. Um, whether you're going to put an area rug in on the hardwood floors or wall-to-wall -wall carpeting. Um, so stuff like that. And then if you have that big overall plan, it's much easier than to go through the layers and incorporate layer by layer to finish the room. All right. So layer two are floors. And again, floors are background colors. So keeping it simple is best. Busy patterns on wall to wall flooring can be too busy. 
unless you're going to put solid colors everywhere else, which is not really that great of a balance, but it can be done. Um, so that's why sometimes you see the black and white checked floors, uh, but they are complemented by pops of color and not too busy fabrics uh, in the same space. Foyers and powder rooms, again, like I said, are good places to do patterned floor tiles. You want to be careful and not do like a patterned floor and a super busy patterned wallpaper. <laughs> um, but one or the other is really striking and can be um, really pretty. Area rugs are considered accents. So they can be a statement piece with lots of color and pattern, but they can also be treated as a background. So if you want, it's a personal choice. So if you want a very neutral area rug because you want to put some, you know, fabrics with pattern, maybe geometrics and, and so forth on your pillows and maybe on a chair, um, then you might want to keep your area rug uh, more textured or tone-on-tone, -tone, um, neutral colors. Uh, but I I really enjoy like in a statement area rug piece that um, that sort of um, captures the color palette of the entire room. It sort of anchors the room and um, pulls together the um, color palette. In fact, sometimes people love to start, and even designers, lots of designers like to start a color palette with the area rug. So uh, it's something also to consider. All right, so layer three is furniture. Invest in the big pieces that you could not live without, like seating and sleeping. You, you have to have somewhere to sit, right? Um, but you don't have to have like little end tables. Um, you have to have a bed <laughs> in order to sleep, but you don't necessarily need the, you know, the ottoman or bench at the end of the bed as much as you need the bed. So invest in those pieces the most as far as quality, um, because uh, it, it's where you spend a lot of your time and um, quality upholstery is, is key and important. And you just invest in the best quality that you can um, find, that you can afford, that's in your budget. Um, quality is out there. Uh, so keep that in mind with your big pieces, seating and sleeping and beds and mattresses. Um, you know, you spend, a, what do they say, a third of your life sleeping in bed. <laughs> so you want to want to have a good supportive mattress as well. And then on these big pieces, keep the style classic and stay away from trends. In the design um, work that I do, we design for like lasting classic impressions and things that are not going to age out in six months to a year. Uh, and then really back, back in the day, <laughs> people spent money and they bought their furniture and they stayed with it forever. And that furniture was quality, well-made heirloom pieces. So those are the pieces that you can find uh, at thrift shops, estate sales, consignment shops. So I, I always look for pieces like that because I know that they're going to be wood furniture that was made before the 2000s were generally much more, they had a lot more quality with, um, with them and they weren't made to be disposable, in other words. So take a look at those shops and it's hard to visualize, but um, if you enjoy painting, painting furniture, you can always turn around um, a, a brown, like, you know, if it's a, like the finish is just scratched up and everything and you want to paint it white, it will change. It will brighten up the space and you'll have a beautiful um a beautiful piece added to your to your room and you didn't pay an arm and a leg for it, right? Upholstery is a good way to go with that as well, but know that you will 
probably need to reupholster that piece, definitely, because upholstery, the foam just, it, it disintegrates over time. So, um, and the fabrics too are usually not, um, you know, they're worn. So there, if you do get upholstery, you can get them for extremely good prices at thrift shops and consignment shops. And then you'll invest in fabric and reupholstery service and end up with a new quality piece of upholstery. With upholstery, you want to keep the fabric neutral, textured, or solid fabrics. We'll keep the upholstery from looking dated after a while. And then you can layer on um, beautiful, bright statement fabrics um, with the accents. But you don't have to go that way. So if let's say you absolutely love a fabric, let's, let's talk, let's say toile. Toile is a very classic fabric. It never goes out of style. It really doesn't. It's a very classic pattern. And, um, that could go on a sofa if you love pattern like that. It can go on a, um, a chair, like a lounge chair. Chairs are great places to put pattern fabrics because they're smaller and it's not such a huge piece in the room with all of that patterned fabric. So chairs are great to do fabrics on and ottomans. Go crazy with ottomans. You can put just um, statement fabrics. Uh, tr I mean, Ottoman is small enough. You could even kind of go trendy if you want to go there, but that's like an easier piece to, to get reupholstered and not sink in too much money to do it. The other thing is just to keep the size and scale in mind of your furniture. And that's really hard to do because you can, a lot of times people will get a nice big cushy deep sofa and then either they can't fit it through the doorway to get into the room, or they do get it into the room and it is massive. So um, think about that. And um, like a standard depth of a sofa that you're just going to sit in um, is about 36 inches deep. If you want a lounging sofa that you're going to like cozy up in and curl up, read a book or lay down, you know, like just lounge and watch movies. Then you're going to look at the 38 inch to 40 inch depth. 42 deep is really getting a little too much. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it, again, it's personal, but I'm just telling you for scale, um, a 40 inch deep sofa is very comfortable. Of course, there's always exceptions. A 42 inch deep sofa or like a whole sectional of that size and scale could be absolutely perfect for a large space, like for a 25 foot by 32 foot um, family room. So it's just you know, keeping scale, scale, scale. That is just what you have to go by. The size of your room or space that the furniture is going in, um, you just want to be able to keep circulation moving. So you need the space to walk to the piece and uh, maybe around, or you, if there's a walkway, it's a traffic way, you have to keep that clear. So that is all about the importance of scale. All right. So layer four, one of my favorites are windows, basically window treatments. Window treatments are such an important layer to any room. And I think that it often it just gets kind of swept into the wayside um, because A, it can be expensive and B, uh, people are very hesitant or determined to not cover up uh, windows. Um, they want to see the view, but you will be able to see the view if you do your window treatments in the right way for that purpose, you will be able to see outside your window. 
window treatment, window shades raise up and drapery panels open. So um, there's a smart way to do it if one of your main priorities is you don't want to lose the view out of the window. It's a really important layer because it not only softens the hard architectural lines and surfaces and makes the room pretty, but it's very important to address for um, energy saving and protection of your investment pieces from fading in the sunlight. All of this investment furniture that you have put into the space in an area rug, uh, fabrics, you don't want them to fade in six months because your windows are wide open, you know, south facing or west facing, even east facing with the morning sun. So you have to protect it. You have to protect even wood flooring. It will fade in the sunlight. So uh, just remember that. Functionally, window treatments um, also, you know, in addition to protecting from sun control, sun, sun control, from the sun fading, uh, they can provide privacy. If you live on a busy street, you definitely will need privacy. Um, bedrooms, definitely bathrooms need privacy. Insulation, especially in places where you have very cold winters or very hot summers or hot weather all around. Uh, so it's really good for insulation and sound absorption. No echoes in the room. So aesthetically, it softens and it really finishes the look of a room. And this is an important opportunity to use patterned fabrics because window treatments are, they have height and they're vertical, and it's a good place to use um, a big pattern repeat. Uh, it makes a statement. It adds really interest to the room, especially if your upholstery pieces are all solids. You have leather in the room. Um, you have uh, solid flooring, solid walls. A pattern window treatment, We it, it will just lighten up that room and make it so gorgeous. It really, really makes a difference. Um, and uh, yes, patterned fabric can be dated, trendy, but there's also classic um, patterns that can be used on window treatments because window treatments are, you know, usually are kept for years at a time and so maybe you'll have a window treatment up for at least five years before you change it out. And sometimes you'll have it up for 20 years. Who knows? Um, but it's not something that you change out seasonally. So choosing a pattern that's classic and that won't uh, get dated would be like a leafy vine pattern, even a tone on tone if you're, you know, adverse to like a bunch of color busy patterns colors. Um, simple florals, geometrics even adds, adds very good interest on window treatments. Uh, so yeah, um, check out those types of fabrics and uh, it, it, it won't be too much, especially if they are just stationary panels. Stationary drapery panels are just that. They're primarily for decorative reasons and they're beautiful and they add just, they add so much to a room and they don't require a nearly as much fabric as it would take if you had to close the draperies across like a 72 inch wide window. Uh, consider stationary draperies and stationary draperies really frame windows really well and they layer very nicely with Roman shades, woven shades, any hard treatment like blinds and shutters. When those, we call them hard treatments, blinds, shutters, shades, um, they they need to be softened as well. So a pair of drapery panels frames it and it really just creates this just beautiful vignette. Um, so, and um, it, contrary to somewhat popular opinion, <laughs> drapery is not dated. Types 
and styles of draperies are can be dated. For instance, the um, billowy ball gown draperies that puddled on the floor um, and were poofy and big, uh, those were done in the 90s. You know, the big shoulder pads, the big hair, the big draperies. <laughs> those are dated. But drapery panels with standard fullness, they go down to the floor. They're above the floor by half an inch. That's really like a classic drapery panel. It's like a little black dress. It's just very classic and never goes out of style. So don't think that draperies are a thing of the past because they really are not. Okay, so here's an example of even more layering. So it's kind of like a micro layering where um, window treatments um, can be done in layers. And uh, it starts with your hard treatments or shades, blinds, um, as the first layer. And a lot of times, um, hopefully, if the window depth allows, it's very optimal to install those inside the window frame. And then um, you can install drapery panels outside of the frame, of course. And then over the drapery panels can be another layer of uh, like a valance or a cornice. Now, valances and cornices are... They're not really used that much today. Some valances updated in styles are really nice. They're pretty and cute. And even as a single layer on a kitchen window. Remember, not covering up the glass of your window. So a valance is a great way to do that while still softening um, the window frame. So those are layers of draperies. And when you have the layers of like a shade, draperies with the decorative hardware, it just looks complete and beautiful. And um, it addresses your functional needs and your decorative needs. Let's talk about the closing draperies. So Closing draperies are made of, you know, they're drapery panels out of fabric that you close either, you know, by hand with, um, I really recommend a hand baton. It's like a baton that's hooked onto the first um, drapery um, hook and you use it to close the drape, manually close the drapery and manually open it. The other way of opening and closing draperies across the window is by a draw mechanism and um, a center draw. So your draperies are split in the center of the window and each half gets pulled back by pulling a cord um, at the end of your drapery rod. So traversing, they're called traversing draperies. Uh, so uh, traversing um, rods are really helpful and necessary if you have very heavy fabric and a wide window and there's a lot of weight. So that will help um, to balance out the weight and not break when you're drawing the draperies open and closed. Um, otherwise, if it's a smaller size window, I really love decorative hardware and just like pulling the baton open and closed. But you definitely can't do that with a really heavy drapery panel. So that helps with the temperature and light control and privacy. So you, you can just do one layer, not do blinds, um, and when you open the draperies, your entire window is exposed. So it's not covering up any of your view. Draperies that open and close are really one of the best ways to have a completely open view during the day or whenever you want it. And then simply close them in the evening for um, privacy and um, energy savings, keeping the drafts out. Um, so uh, I know Roman shades have been so popular the last decade and they are very nice. I like Roman shades as well. Uh, but um, I think that uh, there is an, a popular thought that Roman shades are, you know, the hip 
and modern way to do window treatments. But then um, sometimes people are disappointed because it covers up like a third of their window when it's raised. So Roman shades are made from fabric or it could be made from a woven material. Um, but Roman shades, when they're pulled up, raised up, they they stack. So the folds stack on top of each other. And depending upon how long the window is, the deeper the stack will get inside your window. So um, a fabric, you know, a Roman shade is really not the best way to go if you want a complete view out of your windows. So if you've never thought that you wanted or even needed window treatments, revisit that because you might be saving money in the long run and will enjoy the beauty that they add to a room. All right, we're at our last layer, number five. And that layer is accents. Accents. Oh, it is such a broad category, but it's so much fun. And uh, this is a fun layer where you can express your style, your story, um, and really make your room and your home yours. The other thing is that accents can easily be changed out. You can change these out seasonally. That's where you can really um, you know, buy the trendy candlestick holders or um, trendy vase or something like that. Um, have fun with that uh, and add accents. Now, accents are also wall decor. So think about, well, I'll talk about wall decor, but first let's talk about other types of accents that you can add to the room. Uh, one is heirloom pieces. And Heirloom pieces, they they will go in any style of room, even a contemporary style of room. If you have an antique, um, let's say, end table uh, or a desk, a small one, like a small writing desk, those will fit right in to a contemporary or transitional or traditional style room. They really add depth and immediately make your space unique in your story. Another thing is collected items from travels. So if you travel a lot and you collect, I don't know, paperweights or um, coffee table books or something like that, those can be displayed in a room as um, a collection um, of accents. Uh, so think about things that you have around the house that you've collected that could be decorative. Okay. And of course, the best accent <laughs> are quilts, quilts on the sofa, sectional, chair, on the wall, Quilts are so versatile and they're soft, you know, they're textiles. Um, so quilts just add so much coziness to a room and of a personal nature. Um, and most of the times these quilts are made from your very own hands or from the hands of somebody you love, a friend, um, something that you have um, memories of or remind you of that person that made it. Put your quilts out, uh, have them on a quilt ladder. And, you know, like the throw quilts um, that you make, those, those are meant to be out. I mean, Again, because sunlight fades and um, definitely erodes fabrics over time, sometimes um, people will put really special quilts um, folded up in a closet and then that's where they spend their entire life. So maybe you can do it like the um, museum conservators do. And just like uh, we were talking about in the last episode with Jennifer Swope, um, 
you know, their their quilts and textiles really um, cannot be out for very long just because of the the fact that they're fabric. They're very old fabric, some of them. And um, so they can't be exposed to light um, for long lengths of time. So maybe with your special quilts, you will rotate those um, on an off display in your uh, living room um, or, or somewhere so that at least you can enjoy it and other people can enjoy it as well. And maybe it's something that your grandmother or great grandmother made, um, that could be displayed on the wall. Uh, and maybe, you know, you only display it during the cloudy months so that it doesn't get so much, you know, exposure to the sun, but pull them out, um, and even if it's for just like a season, and then you tuck them back up and 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 store them safely um, in the back in the closet. All right. And then if you're into art, artwork is a great accent to add to the walls. Uh, and the one thing I wanted to say about art is that it is an accent, so it does not have to match your room's color palette. Uh, a lot of people think that it's supposed to match and it's not. Uh, in fact, sometimes if it's too matchy, it makes the room a bit boring. So it's nice to have a splash of um, yellow and orange in a blue room. Um, and especially if the room is all neutrals, put a splashy <laughs> artwork you know, an artwork full of color on the wall, and it will really change, change the space and make it look really, really interesting. Just remember, it does not have to match, but just don't um, negate artwork that um, may have, you know, a couple different colors than your primary color palette. And that applies to quilts too. They can have different colors as accents uh, as well. All right, so let's talk about framed collages of pictures. This is a really popular thing to do because you want to see photos of your loved ones and the kids and pets and everything. Um, so collages of pictures really, in my opinion, are never going to go out of style. Maybe the frames might um, you know, like back 20 years ago, it was all about like the cherry wood, um, and Frank Lloyd Wright sort of, um, colored frames, mission style. Uh, but now, you know, in the last five plus years, um, people have going with white or black frames and those are timeless. And anything metallic is also pretty classic gold leaf, silver leaf, um, gold, silver, antiqued silver, and antiqued anything finish-wise, uh, pewter and that sort of thing. Those are always being done, uh, I guess, with our projects, and they're pretty, they're pretty classic. So um, there's a, a wide range of classic um, types of frames that you can do in a collage that won't be dated too soon. Um, you cannot go wrong with those. But Here's how you can do it differently and make it really fresh. Have a few other things in that collage that are not framed photos. Maybe it's a framed quilt block or a knitted block or an EPP design that's in a frame, or it's a, a wall accent sculpture, a, a plate, um, you know, the plates that you hang on the wall. So, Com combine those and mix those with your um, picture uh, collage into a, a collage of both that and more accent pieces. And it really um, looks just um, like unexpected and interesting. And it's really a fun thing to do. And it's another way where you can display things that you have made. And let's say it is um, a leftover block from a quilt. And um, it's really pretty. And it, you could frame it and it will look absolutely gorgeous um, with the family photos. There's a client also that in their dining room, we had um, custom frames 
a maid, two of them, and they were like deep shadow box type frames with like a really beautiful velvet fabric in the back. And she had collected these antique spoons and the spoons were all displayed inside of the box. And they're just really gorgeous, really, really gorgeous. And she had, we framed them, oh my gosh, like maybe 12 years ago. And at that time, uh, painted um, frames were, you know, the in thing. And so they were done in sort of like a red, um, um, well, kind of like a farmhouse red with some brushed um, dry brush uh, accents on the frame, really beautiful frame. But now um, it's a little dated and she wanted more of a um, platinum metallic looking frame, still carved, but um, updated. Oh my gosh, those turned out so amazingly beautiful. And initially when you hear spoons, you're like, boring <laughs> or old granny, but no, it's not. You know, Anything, anything that you have um, in a large number, like, you know, 12 spoons, put those in a frame and it will look amazing um, in a dining room or even in a kitchen. Uh, so think about even with sewing, uh, if you collect, you know, some people collect thimbles. And if you get a bunch of those together inside a frame together, they just make this impact, a wow factor. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. I could just go on and on <laughs> about the accents. Um, so, and in fact, I really need to work on that myself in my own home. I have tons of stuff that I need to frame. <laughs> Waiting to be framed. Um, I'm sure you do too, but this maybe um, just do a little bit at a time. That's what I've started to do. It doesn't have to be all of them. You could just do one right now or two. Um, so a um, few other accents that I just want to um, toss out there are hardcover books on a coffee table, uh, console table. Um, you can put um, coffee uh, table size books under a table lamp. I have that in my living room. And um, <laughs> I basically did it to raise the height of the lamp uh, so that it would be over the picture frame that I had leaning on the table. Um, but then when I put the book under there, I think it was one or two books, maybe. Um, oh, I was like, wow, that actually looks really pretty. And the book kind of like, again, is unexpected. So um, you can put them under a table lamp, flowers and houseplants. Um, so houseplants are great to decorate with. They're a great accent and uh, they help the air quality, don't they? Producing some more oxygen. Although I, uh, I don't do so well with houseplants. I think also it's because of the way our windows are on, on the house. It's a very narrow house. So um, I'm, I'm always envious of people who have these huge windows that have tons of daylight coming in and they, they could have such beautiful plants over there. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, layer up, make your home a cozy retreat for you and your family. So if you have any design or decorating questions, email me at info at makeanddecorate.com. That's info at makeanddecorate.com. Or you can DM me in Instagram uh, because I will answer some of these questions in future podcasts. And if it really works out and the questions keep coming, then I will make it a regular little segment to the podcast. And really, you can ask me anything. So about sewing, um, quilting. Um, oh, and, and now even knitting. <laughs> uh, I, I've been testing out a it's lots of different types of knitting needles. Um, so I have found the ones that I really like right now. I can talk about that. Um, but decorating for sure. Uh, so uh, let me know. 
send me your question and um, I will see if I can answer it on a future podcast. All righty. So let's catch up with some chit chat. We are in full fall mode weather here in Chicago. I love it. And this year, the transition from summer to fall was really nice. You know, I usually complain about how when we change seasons here, it's always like extreme. (laughs) We go straight from winter to summer sometimes. And winter might last forever um, or summer abruptly stops and then it's like winter before it becomes fall. Uh, But not this year. No, it has been really lovely. Uh, We had 80 degree weather a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's like into October, 80 degrees in Chicago. Yeah, that's um, really not a normal thing, but I loved it. And this week... um, was the first week that we're really kind of, you know, we're in the slow 70s. And as it progresses, we're going to get, you know, gradually into the 60s. And that you couldn't ask for a better fall, I don't think. Um, the, the slow transition is really nice. And the colors have started changing later this season, too. Um, so I just noticed um, yesterday that. Um, the leaves were, I could notice the leaves finally starting to change a little and it's really nice. So I hope that we have a really long, um, color, uh, season of the leaves, full colors for a long time. (laughs) Um, that would be really nice. So yesterday, um, the day before this podcast publishes October 20th, uh, is my 20th wedding anniversary. 20! Wowza! Time really does fly. 2021 has been like a milestone, a year of milestones for me, turning 50 in March, my mom turning 70 in May, my niece turning 13 and becoming an official teenager, and now a 20-year anniversary for me and Joe. I remember my wedding day so clearly. It's it's just crazy. It's it, it's it's unfathomable to me to think that that was twenty years ago. Oh, <laughs> a lot younger back then too. But it was you know this time of year, and uh, it was the fall colors were in full peak. Uh, on our wedding day. Our wedding was up further north in Kohler, Wisconsin. Um, it was kind of like a, it, it's a destination wedding that was kind of in between both sides of the families because a lot of my husband's relatives are from northern Wisconsin. Uh, so we also, the other reason why we did it in Kohler, Wisconsin, was because it's a, a a place of special meaning for us. And if you recognize the name Kohler, it is the household name of kitchen and bath fixtures. And that's what the town is named for. I think they have a Kohler, Kohler factory up there. Um, and every room had a beautiful Kohler jacuzzi tub and fancy bath designs. Um, so it really does hold special meaning for us because we often went there, um, before we were married for their tea for two weekend packages. And by tea, I mean golf tea, (laughs) not drinking tea. So we golfed all the time 20 years ago. I got really actually pretty good at golf. <laughs> um, but Black Wolf Run was the first golf course that we played there. Uh, they had a couple of golf courses at that time. And at that time, too, um, it was really different. It was a small hidden gem up in you know the middle of Wisconsin. Um, and it just felt like, like just that, a hidden gem. So fast forward to our wedding in 2001, and they had just um, made a new golf course. It is 
a PGA golf course called Whistling Straits. Uh, it's a Lynx style course and it's right off of Lake Michigan and it was designed by the famous Pete Dye and they just played the Ryder Cup there. So if you're into golf, you just, you know exactly what I just said there. And if you're not, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, basically it is a very difficult um, golf course to play. It's made for, you know, at a professional level, they have a lot of PGA and senior PGA events there. Uh, and um, yeah, we played that course two days before our wedding. So I did have the opportunity to play it. Um, I mean, now because of the whole you know, that was before they had PGA there. That was just like as they opened. So we were lucky because now it's like super expensive, of course. So, <laughs> um, but we really have really many sweet memories. It, um, the golf course part was called Black Wolf Run. And um, and then we stayed at the American Club. So we're really fortunate that we experienced that. Um, yeah, because it really now is all big fancy pants PGA level. All right, on to sewing and creative updates. First, <laughs> I've done zero quilting in two months. A big fat zero. Yeah, that will change soon. Um, but I, there's certain quilts that I really um, need to finish this year. Uh, and the very first one, one priority is my nephew's Mandalorian quilt that I started about this time last year. And then I stopped working on it when I realized it wasn't going to get done in time. So um, it definitely, definitely has to get done this year. Um, and then I have um, my um, new, well, he's not newborn anymore. He's three months old now, but um, a baby quilt for my nephew uh, that has no deadline. But I have, that's the one, the fancy forest quilt that I started a few months back. So that, um, those blocks are almost done. So I do want to continue with that. It's on my design wall. So I look at it all the time. It's really cute to see like the little hedgehog and fox faces on my design wall. Um, and then I have a really cute little fabric book to make for my other nephew who turned two in August. Um, it is one of those pre-printed panels that's really easy to sew up and batting is in between the layers. So technically it could be considered a quilt project, <laughs> um, but I've got, to, I've got to get that done as well. But what I've been doing a lot of is sewing, just regular sewing. Um, I've been making these two tablecloths. Um, they're very big. They're, they're, there's a lot of fabric in this. There's 115 inches by about 64 inches wide. And um, the first tablecloth is done. It is a gorgeous Pierre Frey um fabric, which is 100% cotton made in France. Uh, and um, I, uh, the most challenging thing on there was the uh, pattern match. And really, that went um, much easier than I thought it was going to be. I've done pattern matching before, but I don't know, I just geared myself up into like, oh, I cannot mess this up. This fabric is so, so, so expensive. So I had that kind of looming over my head, but it all worked out. That tablecloth is fine. It's the tablecloth that I'm working on now is difficult. And this fabric is 100% linen. It's a thick linen, textured linen with a check pattern. <laughs> the check pattern is harder to pattern match than uh, a big repeat pattern. It really is. Um, but uh, that's what the fabric is. And I had three issues right off the bat. The thickness of the fabric, it's like a thickness of canvas fabric. It has copious fraying, so I have to surge all the ends. Otherwise, it will fray down to nothing <laughs> while I sew with it. Uh, and yeah, again, the check pattern on, well, on the bias. So 
That's the decorative detail on this tablecloth is the same fabric on the bias. It looks gorgeous. So this is a big banding. So it's a three inch banding all around the edge of the tablecloth. So um, because of the thickness of the fabric, you lose a bit of the, um, the, the size. So... Um, I, the cut banding strips are seven and a half inches and, um, yeah, so that's challenging to not only miter, but pattern match miter on the bias. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was smart enough to do a small mock-up piece and, um, am able to practice the banding, on the bias, the mitering of it, and um, that really has saved my butt. I work on that prior to stitching like the real deal, and thank goodness. It's a whole thing. It's It's been a process. Uh, so I cannot wait until this project is done because I have lots of other projects to get to. Okay, so it's because of this project and um, I've got a busier interior design schedule recently that I haven't been able to complete my pattern that I wanted to release by the end of October. It's a Christmas holiday pillow pattern. And I'm on my second make of this pillow. Uh, it's really so cute. And I am going to finish it. And I will still put the PDF pattern in my online shop. Uh, when I finish it. Uh, so just stay tuned to the podcast and uh, in my Mighty Networks group for more news on that. Okay, uh, a little bit about knitting. I have been a knitting addict in the evenings. Since I've finally determined the knit and pearl style that I connect with the best, um, I can now switch from knit to pearl effortlessly. It has been a game changer. So um, thanks to the Arne and Carlos tutorial on the Norwegian style of pearl stitching, I can now progress onto further knitting techniques and patterns. So English paper piecing is also a part of my new pillow pattern. So I, I have also been working on that in the evenings as well. Uh, so... Yeah, I've got stuff to do in the day. I have stuff to do at night. <laughs> I kind of stay up a little too late because um, when I, I was knitting this fingerless mitt and I was so close to being done, but that so close was like another uh, 45 minutes, maybe half hour. So I just, you know, and then I end up staying up later than I really uh, should because I'm super tired the next day. <laughs> um, so that's one of the, um, the one of the things that I have to kind of balance out a little better. But I'm so excited right now um, about this whole knitting thing. Okay. This is a long episode, I know, but I haven't done a solo episode uh, in season four yet. Have I? No, I haven't. It's, it's been all guests, I think. Oh gosh, I might, I think I did one. But anyway, uh, let's go into Netflix and YouTube re recommendations. Um, okay, Netflix. By now, you probably have heard of the new Netflix series called Squid Game. And it, um, uh, Joe and I watched it the second it was released uh, about a month ago. It's a Korean-made original TV series made for Netflix. And I wasn't going to add it to my recommendations initially because I thought um, it would be too violent and weird for most people. And um, But now it's become this global phenomenon. So... I'm going to let you know what I thought about this series. Um, I was really gripped by it. And um, 
conflicting gripping (laughs) with lots of, why am I watching this? It's too violent. But the story and the characters are what makes the series so amazingly good. It's hard to explain, but the stories and the characters are just so um, much of a huge part of the show You have to give it at least two or three episodes because as the storyline develops, it really, um, you understand then what's, what's been going, what happens in the the first episode and why. Um, I do recommend it, but you have to watch at your own discretion. I have a Hulu recommendation and it is much more lighthearted than the Squid Game. And it is really, really good. They just um, had the season finale on this week. It's called Only Murders in the Building. And it has Martin Short, who is so funny, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez. So that is a interesting, um, you know, with the difference in the age range. But um, they have this, they start this crime podcast of... Um, of a murder that happened in their building. And they had live in this, um, you know, big building in New York City, um, kind of historic. So it's so good. They play off of the age difference with Selena Gomez and then, you know, Steve Martin and Martin, Martin Short. It's hilarious. Um, and you you don't guess who it is right away, which I also love. So it's it's really, really good. And it's even though it's like a murder mystery show, it's lighthearted um, and funny. So I think uh, uh, most people will enjoy that show. All right. And YouTube. All right. So I've been catching up with Arne and Carlos's Set Us Doll series uh, they did over the summer. They traveled to Set Us Doll and they um, did video episodes um, with a, a, an artist or a maker of the traditional Set Us Doll knitting style and um, yeah, all a bunch of different things about uh, the history of that um, uh place in Norway and really good stories. Uh, They just do a really good job at that. So um, Arne and Carlos, of course. Um, And then there is another channel that I've been watching a lot recently, and it is a Korean YouTuber. Uh, The channel is called Hammy Mommy, H-A-M-I-M-O-M-M-Y. And I think um, Hami is the name of her daughter. Uh, so for a long time, I couldn't figure out why it was called that. And then she mentioned it in one of the episodes. But I find her videos really relaxing and inspiring. Uh, so it's a vlog style day in a life of a young Korean family. And she has two little children. The daughter is so cute. Uh, the woman on the show is uh, very lovely um, and she's creative. So she does cooking, gardening, crafting, not that much crafting, but some of her episodes have it. She tries a craft and then um, a couple of them she decided I am not going to do that again. (laughs) Um, Decorating and lots of cleaning videos. I've really been intrigued with her cooking styles. She she uses these really long, uh, they're called cooking chopsticks, and she'll whisk eggs with it and um, flip over foods in the pan, uh, like tongs and pasta, stuff like that. So I had to get some. And um, I also got these wooden eating spoons. They look so cute. And um, yeah, uh, so they're not that expensive either on Amazon. And then she uses this four section egg pan. And they're four round sections on this pan. And it's like a ceramic um, uh, cooking surface. Um And it makes the cutest silver dollar pancakes, uh, eggs in a round shape, 
Canadian bacon. Like she could cook like a whole breakfast in there with like the ham um, on a couple of circles and the eggs on the other circles. And um, it's versatile. You, you can cook mini burgers in there. You could cook potato pancakes in there. So I ordered it again on Amazon and I use this pan at least three times a week. I've made um, uh, English muffin breakfast sandwiches and everything is in that perfect size and shape for the English muffin. And I've made the silver dollar pancakes so cute uh, and yummy. Uh, so I'm going to put links to these on my podcast blog. All right. That's all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening and much love to all of you. Until next time, take time to make or decorate something. Bye-bye. If you would like a bonus episode every month, become a patron and support the Make and Decorate podcast show at my Patreon page, Make and Decorate. For extended show notes with links and photos to what we've talked about, visit my podcast blog at makeanddecorate.com. And remember to take some time for yourself to be creative. Bye-bye.